This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon. Well, I have to say that on a day like today, looking at those wildfires in Alberta, I almost feel guilty about dealing with things that are probably less urgent, but we are going to turn our attention to City Hall and to things that we can do something about and what could be shaping up to be the latest boondoggle, or should I say bindoggle. The city started rolling out those allegedly critter-proof bins last week. You know the ones they're spending 31 million bucks on. And a week later, we're all looking at pictures of breached bins. Yes, this time the culprits are squirrels or rats, not raccoons. And the much-vaunted handle on the new bins is apparently not the problem. It appears that the material the bins are made of uh, is soft and chewy, and animals are just eating through them. Mayor John Tory tweeted that at least they didn't figure out how to turn the handle. I mean, it's good to have a sense of humor about these things, but this joke is kind of expensive. And there's also the issue of the bike lanes, the bike lanes that are going in between on Bloor Street, between Shaw and Avenue Road. So the question is, will that show us a model of how to rationally share the roads with cyclists, or will it just clog our horribly congested streets even more? On the line, I have Deputy Mayor Denzel Minnan-Wong. Hello? Hi. Uh, So uh, we have these two issues. Uh, We've seen the uh, much-vaunted $31 million bins being eaten through uh, not a week after they started rolling out. Uh, What's your reaction to that, and uh, is the rollout going to be stopped while people figure out how to solve this problem, or are we just on the hook for all that money? Well, I, I guess you can take a number of things from this. Um, firstly, I, I don't know if this has happened on on a number of instances. I, I just saw in the newspaper that it happened in one instance. Secondly, um, I think it's important to to consider the fact that this actually proves that the locks work. They can't open them up. <laughs> They're right? eating through the bins, and that proves they work. So, well, no, the, the locks work. Now, now right. so the second piece is, is the plastic strong enough to hold back, you know, the, the, these animals or the raccoons, you know, getting into them. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, this is, I don't think we should jump to any conclusions. No, I guess I would say say this is certain raccoons are going to be more enthusiastic than other raccoons and trying to, and, and some will have, uh, uh, you know, deeper appetites than others. But I, I'm thinking that a raccoon that has to go through that much amount of work, and I think it's probably a substantial amount of work to, to bite into those garbage cans. After a while, they're going to get tired of doing that and, and look for something else. Well, uh, that's that's a pretty sorry excuse for for you know the spending thirty one million bucks. And by the way, they have similar, not exactly the same bins in Mississauga, and they are eaten through all the time. So as I said, uh, as I said, we're you know this is just my understanding is this is the first example. I don't know if there are multiple examples, 
I don't want to jump to any conclusions. I just have some general observations. But, uh, you know, I think that we're going to have to wait and see. Are, are, is anything, are you going to put a hold on the rollout of those bins while you see if there's a big problem with them, or are they just going to keep on coming? I don't think that any decision's been made on that as yet, so I, I, you know, I really can't tell you. I'm sorry. Okay, we're going to turn to the issue of the bike lanes, and before we do that, I'm going to give out the numbers to call. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. Want to know what you think about bike lanes going in on Bloor Street, one of the busiest arteries in the city of Toronto. Councillor Min and Wong, you voted in favour of this. Well, I, I voted in favor of the the pilot project. I do have a number of concerns with um, uh, with with putting in bike lanes uh, on Bloor Street, but uh, you know, in, in terms of finding out how they work, um, you know, council want, had wanted to do this, and they've been wanting to do this for quite some time. Um, we're going to get some data back to see if um, uh, to see after the pilot project goes forward whether it's something we want that the city wants to put in permanently. Uh, I I actually uh, have been responsible for putting in the separated bike lanes in the downtown um, on Sherburne, uh, Richmond, Adelaide, and Wellesley. Um, you know, I think there has to be some level of recognition that cycling is a, a mode of transportation. My view is you don't put them on every street. You just put them on certain streets, not on main roads that where you're going to massively conflict with uh, traffic on corridors where people are coming in and out of the downtown. I have concerns about Bloor because I think it's a main artery. Well, I don't think there's any question that it's a main artery. And I, well, actually, there is by some members of council. You'd be surprised. Um, and I also have a concern that, that this is um, this is just one step in, in putting separated bike lanes, for, you know, from one end of the Bloor to the other end of, of Danforth Road. Um, and 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 so um, I voted to go forward with the pilot project, but I want to see the data that comes back. Because I, I I do have concerns, and I, I I I'm not sure that all the all the residents and businesses have been um, been consulted. Uh, um, I put forward a motion that, that to suggest that we we would have to get 50% of those people participating in a survey, and of those, 60% would have to be in favor of of keeping the bike lanes at the end of this process. Um, that did, that wasn't successful, so I was disappointed in that. But, you know, this has been going for, going on for so long, um, you know, in terms of the pilot project. It's not definitive, but uh, uh, let's let's move forward and and uh, uh, see what the results are. What is the evidence so far from other bike lanes on how it affects traffic? Um, well, look, there hasn't been a lot of data um, uh, that's that's uh, that's come out in terms of the existing separated bike lanes. Um, except for rich, uh, uh, the, the bike lanes, uh, I believe, on Richmond and Adelaide, and there was a huge take-up. Uh, th- those were seen as, as, as massively successful. And, and, and I advocated for those, uh, those bike lanes for two reasons. As I said, cycling is an accepted mode of transport in the city of Toronto. You have, you have to put them on some roads. There are, there, there are no separated bike lanes in the south downtown, and, and cyclists deserve to be protected. And so you, you see what happens when you put in a bike lane where none, where there's no, nothing in the area. People will flock to it, and, and they were successful 
because there wasn't any other route, and now there's a, a separated bike lane that, that, that lots of people are using. Um, the other thing is the different, the, you know, why I think Richmond and Adelaide were the right place to put them is because they're, they're four-lane, one-way roads, different than the road like, like Bloor Street, which uh, is, are, is two lanes either way. So when you take out one lane on, let's say, Richmond, you're only taking up 25 25% capacity. But when you do it on Bluer, because it's a two-lane, it's a it's a it's a bi-directional road, you're taking up 50% of capacity, and that's going to have a much bigger impact. Can you just refresh our memory? So where did this uh, push to get them on Bluer Street come from in the first place? Uh, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. It came from the cycling community. Um, they've been wanting this for quite some time. I was advocating, uh, quite frankly, I was advocating for separated bike lanes on, on Harvard Street. Separated um, uh, bike lanes on Harvard Street makes a lot more sense to me. Because well, that's also a, a two-way street. It is, but it's a, so you can't, you can't find one-way streets everywhere, Libby, but the, di- the, 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 the difference here is it's, a, it's, not an art, it's a secondary road. It's not as busy as Bloor Street, so you're not impacting a major arterial road that is used by the entire city to come in and out of the downtown. It's more of a it, it's it's more localized Harvard Street than than Bloor Street is. So it's probably more appropriate to put it there than to put it on Bloor. Uh-huh. And we already have we already have bike lanes on uh, um, uh, uh, we already have bike lanes on Harvard. Um, uh, they're and, and they're protected by paint. But uh, you know why don't my view was why don't you just put put the, um, the d- dividers up and put them on Harvard instead, instead of using an important road like Bloor. And uh, that didn't fly. Let's, uh, let's take a call, Denzel. We're going to go to Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Mm, not bad. Yeah, I'm um, not in favor if, of the, um, the bike lanes on Bloor Street. I'm not in favor of any bike lanes on any major road at all for a number of reasons. One it it does congest traffic for one but mainly when you put a bike lane in you eliminate parking and i'm not necessarily talking about parking for cars i'm talking about people making deliveries and and you know this is this is a, a vibrant city and if you can't get deliveries done in your business in business hours then your business suffers and if you can't get people to park in front of your business to quick to get in and, and grab your cleaning out of a cleaner store or something like that, well, bike lanes are eliminating all them parking spots. Now, what I do agree with is that a lot of streets in the city have been made one-way. One-way streets, you can have a one-way bicycle lane on the same street. If they have to go around to go the other way on another street, that's fine. But we have a lot of streets that are really screwed up so the through traffic can't get through, such as in around the, the areas where the university is. You, it's a terrible place to drive. But there is room in those streets to put bicycle lanes. And in certain areas, make the sidewalks wider and give a bicycle lane on the sidewalk, but they can only go the way one way. So it's, if it's on the right-hand side, you have to go the one way west or whatever the case may be but keep the bicycle because we're not making it any safer because bicycles they have to cross lanes no matter what and they figure they have a right away because they've been on a bike lane and there's more accidents we're well, not making it any safer i and and one of the things when there are bike lanes is that the people in the bike lanes they they don't ever let a car make a right turn 
You got it. And there's got to, I mean, uh, Councillor Min and Wong, am, am I making this up? I mean, has anybody thought of that problem? Well, so firstly, I mean, well, just specifically with terms with regard to the right turn uh, lanes, uh, making a right turn where there's a, where there's a bike lane. I, I I have seen and I actually have made right turns on um, at Richmond and Bay. That's how I I drive to work every morning, and there's a bike lane there. And and I, you know what? There's I've never had a problem if I put my indicator on and to make a right turn from the from uh, Richmond onto uh, onto Bay Street. And there's a bike lane there, so I'm I'm not sure that I agree with that that analysis with regard to deliveries. Um, look, at, I mean, it, it, it's not it's not as good a situation, but you know there are a lot of businesses that 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 can gain access to uh, um, uh, back alleys and and and, and rear entrances. So um, I appreciate that it might happen in some circumstances, but. I, it may not happen in all circumstances. I mean, I, you know, you're lucky if uh, they give you the right of way. I don't know what you drive. I drive a small car, and and um, you know, cyclists. They, you know, they, they. My take on it is, generally speaking, it's not a question of sharing the roads with them. They always have the right of way, and uh, they will do anything to prevent the car from going ahead. Well, you know, look, at, I, I, I certainly believe in a balanced approach. What I would say about this is that most cyclists, um, especially the ones that aren't the road warriors that travel, you know, every day and they zip in and zip out, um, uh, a lot of cyclists are afraid of cars. And they're for, for you know. As well they should for, be. For every, no, no. For every, for every, you know, aggressive cyclist, there's an aggressive driver. And so I think there's um, there's enough uh, blame to to spread around with to everybody, um, but there, but I think you know I think it's fair to say that, that, that cycling is an exp- an accepted mode of transport, um, and that you can't just ban you know to say you're not going to give them any accommodation on the roads and it is I think unrealistic in this day and age. Number one, that's not um, what Bob was saying. He was saying one way no, no, streets. I'm not saying I'm not saying that either. I'm not saying that he said that. And the second piece is, this is the thing that I think he's identified as a challenge. So we've only got so much space from, you know, from the the door of one business across the street to the door of the the other business. There's only so many meters of room for pedestrians, uh, for cyclists, and for motorists, and, and, and transit vehicles. And they're all now competing for that space, and it's very, very limited. The, the challenge that we have, because pedestrians want more space and they want to take it away from cyclists per se, and cyclists want, want more space and they want to take it from, away from motorists, transit vehicles want to take more space away from all of the others. And, and, and what this is is about managing those, those feet and those precious feet and inches that we have um, to try and accommodate as best we can everybody. And that's what this debate is all about. And, you know, I, I think that everyone can agree it's a real challenge. Okay, let's uh, hear from Stan in Toronto. Hi, Stan. Oh, hi. Thanks for this program. I think it's necessary to speak out on it. Uh, I, I believe the bike lanes is a good idea from Shaw Street to Avenue Road, but I would like to see it even extended further along through the Danforth. Uh, now, Stan, are you a cyclist? Yeah, yes, I am. And many, many years. Many, many years. And is that your main mode of transportation? Uh, that's the first choice for short distances. 
Uh -huh. For longer distance, I use the PTC. Uh-huh. And uh, you, you think this is a, a good idea? Do you, When you're out on the road, uh, what? how do you feel about sharing the road with cars? Do you feel like you should have um, more call on the roads and you have the right of way or what? Well, I, I think uh, we have to share it. It's, it's, it's a little bit complicated to say in, in a short radio message, but... But we have winters here and, and things like that, I understand. But uh, some, the one so far, the uh, bike lanes we have now is uh, bike lanes to nowhere. The Sherburne was a very bad choice for Sherburne Avenue or Street. Uh, is a bad choice for, uh, for a bike lane. But also the Richmond one is uh, not too good either because... Of, there's very fast moving traffic there, and it puts the, the cyclists in danger. So I, but the east and west route is the best because of its all level all the way through, and it would provide an uh, incentive for people to to abandon the cars and and stay on uh, eco friendly uh, transport. Okay, Stan. Thanks very much for your call. We have to take a quick break, Councillor Min and Wong. Uh, please hold on with us, and we'll also be talking, taking more of your calls and talking to others. But uh, first, let's take a quick break. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back, and we are talking about the contentious issue of bike lanes. Let's uh, go to the phones. First of all, we have Ed in Toronto. Hi, Ed. How are you, Libby? Fine. How are you? Uh, very well. I agree with everything you said and everything that Bob said pretty well, and I'll just kind of uh, highlight some of the things uh, maybe that you guys uh, didn't get a chance to mention. Okay, yeah. Just uh, keep in mind, we are, we're also going to hear from Yvonne uh, Bambrick, so uh, if you could please be a bit concise, Ed, that'd be great, but let's hear what yeah. you think. Uh, they have subway closures for the last four or five months along uh, Bloor Street uh, in the same areas he's talking about, and they, they probably do them all over the place where buses are hurtling along there to try to make up for the loss of the subway on the weekends. Mm -hmm. No parking allowed, right? Yep. Along those stretches, if you've been there on the weekends, and they even have parking control out there to make sure that you don't even try. Um, this is uh, something that uh, any kind of bike lanes are going to interfere with, because we already know about the bike lane guys giving you the finger, eh? If you're a vehicle, uh, you kind of touched on that. Um, besides that, uh, when you put in bike lanes, you reduce the parking. They already know they're going to reduce the parking by 50% on Bloor Street. Now, anybody that, I don't even know why you have to study this. Anyone that thinks that the businesses aren't going to have business losses and aren't going to be able to get deliveries in that, you'd have to be insane to think that you're not going to have a problem. Pollution will increase greatly by slowing the traffic. And if we're putting bikes in to try to be eco-friendly to uh, anybody that's been on a, any uh, uh, mall or anywhere waiting for a parking spot knows that idling vehicles or slower vehicles just pollute the air unbelievably. Uh, these cars that, uh, if you saw Queen Street, 
before they, it was worse before uh, they put in Richmond and Adelaide, which I agree, agree with should have been done 20 years ago. It wasn't done until the Ford administration came in and started pushing that stuff through to get the bikes out. Um, uh, they tried to go on the side streets before Richmond and Adelaide came in. They'll go down the wrong way on these residential streets with 4,000-pound cars okay. hurtling down there. Yep. On top Ed, of that. Ed, yeah. um, we have Yvonne uh, Bambrick waiting on the line, so I think we've got the gist of what you're saying. Um, let's, uh, let's just go to Yvonne Bambrick, who is a cycling advocate and author of the Urban Cycling Survival Guide. And uh, let's just give her a quick chance to respond, uh, because we only have till about 1230. Hi there. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Okay, uh, we only have uh, about a minute or so left, but uh, like a quick response from you. Sure. Well, you know, I actually agreed with quite a bit of what Denzel had to say, but um, this didn't, the Blue Street Pilot Project did not just come from cycling advocates. Advocates uh, are the reason we got here finally, but as far back as 1992, the City of Toronto Transportation Department commissioned studies looking at Bloor and Danforth because it's an ideal central cross-town connector. And in the long term, the goal, I think, is still to have that as the spine of a connected network of bike lanes in the downtown core and out through the inner and outer suburbs. Toronto's playing catch-up. Uh, there's, you know, cities around across North America in particular are starting to make room for bikes. We don't have more room uh, on our city streets for more cars. I mean, the reason we're stuck in traffic is because there's too many other cars on the road. So this isn't about telling you you can't uh, drive your car anymore. This is really about giving people other options so that they don't have to take the car. And until we do that uh, in a way that makes people feel safe and confident to ride, um, we're not going to have that mode shift. Other cities are proving it. We're proving it ourselves in Toronto. And this is one more step towards that. But here's the thing. Bikes are part of traffic. We're vehicles as well. And the point of road is to move people, not just to move cars. So we're rebalancing the roadway in some parts of the city so that more people can fit. Right? This is, this is people on bikes. It's ultimately about moving people. And this makes it much more possible for people to be moving around the city by bike safely and enjoyably. And we all have to be nicer to each other on the road. You know, there's, there's uh, I will on every I side. will certainly agree with that. And Yvonne, I think that that is a good note to end this conversation on. We all have to be nicer to each other on the road. I'm sure that this topic will come up again. This is a pilot project and we await the data from it. Yvonne Bambrick, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Ride safe. Okay, absolutely ride safe. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.